Hi, this is Sam Chamberlain, and welcome to Things to Ponder, the sermon podcast from St. Mary's United Church of Christ in Silver Run, Maryland. Follow along with St. Mary's at stmarysucc.org or on Facebook and Instagram. Wishing you peace and good, my friends. But we come to the end of our series, The Pilgrim's Way. Now, I want to put a caveat on that, that if you think we've exhausted the riches from the Psalms, well, you would be very sadly mistaken. But I'm also aware that maybe I have exhausted your interest in the topic. And I at least want to try to be mindful of that. Learned over the years, always leave folks going, you know, you could have done one more sermon, that would have been okay. That's usually a good sign. So today I want to bring the Pilgrim's Way to a close. And I want to start by saying I hope that you have learned something on this journey. I hope that you've learned something on this journey that begins not with anything that you need to do, but with what God has already done, that God has made you a new creation, but that God hasn't turned you loose as a new creation to figure it out for yourself, that we have tools and signposts to help us discover this new creation that we are, that God has given us tools to teach us a language that takes us beyond ourselves and sees what God is doing even beyond us, to God and to our neighbor. To see that God has given us tools that gives us new rhythms. Last week we heard, it's not morning, our work, and then we rest. It's rather, our work begins in rest. It is evening, and then it is morning. God works, and then we respond. We and you are being made new. And it's not by accident or by luck that you are being made new. God has given us the tools to discover who and what we are to be. And I hope if that is the message, then we have arrived at a hopeful message. But at the end, this last sermon in this series, let's talk about the end, shall we? How do the Psalms come to a close? And let me be clear at the outset, how the end How it ends matters to you and to me right now, here today. Because you and I, in anything that we endeavor to do in life, may set off on a journey because of a hope or a goal, something we want to see or something what we want to accomplish. But there always comes a point in the journey where where those beginning things don't keep us moving anymore, right? Everybody wants to play for the Orioles, until you got to hit the gym. And then you're like, yeah, that, that bench press bar isn't as much fun as it looked when I started this. Unless we are going somewhere compelling, we're unlikely to complete the course. So the beginning will get us started, but it is the end that ultimately draws us. And we know this, yes? There may be a student, I'm looking at Ryan sitting down here, the most studiful, studiful kid I've ever had in church, sitting down here hanging out, and I'm thinking about students. The student may, want to, may start the year saying, I want to be a great student. But the question of, when am I ever going to need algebra, becomes a real question that at some point may very well impact our ability to be a good student. And all you math people, I don't mean that as a negative thing. But that question has to be answered, right? We may, being a good student in the beginning is great, but ultimately knowing that what we're learning matters is what keeps us going forward as a student. It matters in our faith. Now, you may holler back at me, well, if heaven isn't a good enough reason for us to keep going, then I don't know what is. 
Well, that's true. We, do, we are drawn by heaven, yes? This idea that one day we'll be fully and completely in the presence of God. We will know even as we are fully known. That's all true. But is it enough? Is heaven enough to keep us moving? Because our faith says we can't work our way to heaven. Our faith says there is no amount of good deeds you can do that will get us to the presence of God. So what compels us to do the work to walk the course? If, we, if none of that work matters in terms of our getting to heaven anyway. Because again, as we learned last week, the point of our spirituality is not that we do things to get to God. It's that God is already coming down to us. So you can do all the good work in the world. It makes not one iota about whether we will be in the presence of God or not. So what compels us to do this work, to walk this course of heaven isn't the answer. If all of this is just dreck, if all of this is just biding our time until we get that, till we get there, what would compel me to try and grow? If all of this is just a waiting room for heaven, then why should we, why should we be present and work hard at, the, at, at this moment in which we find ourselves? In other words, if the new creation is basically just the old creation, then maybe I was better off where I was, Right? So is that where all this is headed? We're just rocking on our heels, waiting for Jesus to show up, just trying to survive? Is that where this is headed? Is that what our faith tells us? See, I don't think so. I think there's something at the end that can compel us even more than this. Because you and I both know the human heart has no shortage of courage and strength if it knows its purpose. You, friend, have no shortage of courage and strength if we understand where it is that we are headed. And it won't surprise you, given what we've been talking about, that the Psalms are built, they are organized to teach us this. The Psalms will give us an ending to which we want to run. And very quickly, one can flip to the end of the Psalms, which we did today, and read Psalm 150, the last Psalm that we are given. And we see that the end, this last Psalm printed in your bulletin, is all praise. Every single word The first word in every one of these verses, at least in the English, is praise. Let everything that breathes give praise to the Lord, is how this psalm ends. What a beautiful notion. We sang, this is my father's world. Well, then everything that breathes is giving praise to God. Praise is the end. But the thoughtful reader will discover that we stumbled on this theme of praise before we got to the very end. Psalm 145 says, I will extol you, my God and King. Psalm 146, happy are those whose help is the God of Jacob. Psalm 147, the Lord takes pleasure in those who hope in his steadfast love. Psalm 148, praise him, sun and moon, praise him, Lord from the earth. And you're like, you really going to read all the Psalms? Yeah, I am. Psalm 149, let the children of Zion rejoice in their King. The last five psalms, not just the last psalm, the last five psalms are explicitly, flamboyantly psalms of praise. Perhaps this shouldn't surprise us because the Hebrew title for the psalms is not psalms. The Hebrews called this book the book of praises. To the Hebrew, it was always about praise. Be like, all right, pastor, that's good. Praise. Yep, we got it. Let's move on. But that's the rub, right? Calling this thing the book of praises is kind of the problem. 
Because we so badly want all of these psalms and we so badly want our prayer lives to be all praise, right? We want our lives of faith to be praised. Yes, maybe we'll mix in some tough times to be sure. But we just kind of want it to be a nice ride and we just kind of get to sing and everything's okay. When we come into places of prayer and collective faith, we want our life to be a book of praise. We want something that makes us feel good, helps us get ready for the week ahead. I hear that a lot. But we got to be honest. As we have walked through the Psalms, most of them are not praise. In fact, 111 of the 150 Psalms are anything but praise. And there's some ugly stuff in there. One might say that to call the Psalms the book of praises is simply not accurate because that's not what it is. It's more like Psalms of a dude who's having a rough day with some nice moments mixed in. And the more that we discover about this journey that we've been sent on in faith, we discover that so much of our lives is kind of the same. That life so often, yes, there are wonderful, beautiful moments, but there's a lot of, eh, mixed into it, right? And the more that we walk this journey of faith, and the more that our faith takes us into tough places, maybe, just maybe, here in the middle, wherever in the middle we find ourselves, early middle, middle middle, or late middle, Sometimes we wonder, well, was this journey of faith really wise in the first place? Because this wasn't as easy as I was, made, I was led to believe. If we knew prayer would bring us through all these troubles that we've been through, would we have gone on the journey? Or maybe for some of us, we're just like, well, here's another religious organization that does the bait and switch. Everything's wonderful, and then we discover that it's not. Well, friends, while to call this book the book of praises is not factually accurate... To call this book praises is true and accurate all the same. Because the Psalms aren't describing always, especially here at the end, the Psalms aren't describing here at the end where we are. The Psalms at the end describe where we're going. Hear that again. These Psalms at the end are not describing where we are. These may not be our words today. I had a lousy day yesterday. This Psalm 150 is not my Psalm today but it does describe where we're headed. Friends, hear this clearly. God's intention, God's design, the new creation that you are called to be is aimed at praise. God's intention for you is to aim your life at the heart of praise. And whatever our journey, whatever we go through, the end is praise. Someone once said, all prayer pursued far enough becomes praise. Now, this is not a thing we can know. We cannot be sure of how our life will come to its end. We cannot be sure of the formation that God is doing in us. We will know it, but you, wherever you are right now, cannot know how it all comes to a conclusion. And if you are waiting to know it, to be convinced of it, to have the information you need to prove that this path that God has you on is indeed the right path, well, I'm going to tell you, you're going to wait in the pew a very long time. Because that doesn't come. Ask our elders in the faith, and they will tell you, yeah, most of the journey, there's really no clarity at all. You can't know this. But it is something we can believe. And those are not the same thing. We can't know the end but we can believe something about our end. And so to believe that our lives are aimed at praise, 
is to set, a, set it out there. To say, I don't know what God is going to take me through, but it's going to end in praise in some way. And so to set it out there and to act as if it is true before it becomes true. That's what faith is all about. It sets us a goal and invites us to act now as if it is true before it becomes true. Despite all the evidence to the contrary, and I suspect for many of us, there are many things that are weighing us down and say, my life is anything but praise right now. We are called to walk as if our lives are going to end in praise. Because, friends, as we pay attention to the contours and the movements of Scripture, we discover that every end of every part of Scripture is exactly that. It is praise. In the message of Malachi, in the last words of the Old Testament as Christians organized it, Rob read this morning, we're going to have this, God is going to send a messenger, and this messenger is going to churn everything up, and he's going to make things new. It'll be, a little, it'll be a little weird, it'll be a little crazy, but I will send my message before you who will set you aright. It's a message of hope, a message of anticipation. We read Revelation, where we think about the end times, and it says, I saw before me a city, this most beautiful city you could imagine. We're not living in that city now. But Revelation sets it in front of us, saying we're going to a place, a place that is beautiful. And one of my favorite images is that, yes, it's a city, but there is so much nature worked into it. All these dichotomies about city and rural or about these people and those people and all this are gone. It is all meshed and melded into this one beautiful, lovely thing. Revelation, for all of its turmoil, ends in a wonderful, beautiful vision. Now, I'll be honest, we can't see it. We have no evidence of it. In fact, most of the evidence we see in our lives suggests we're pointed in anything but a beautiful city. But the prophet and John are calling for the people to live as if it is true. God is going to send a messenger. He's going to set us right. And God has taken us to a place that is beautiful. Now, this, But this may seem somewhat hopeless. How are we supposed to do that? Are we really... Just, so you're telling me, Pastor, that I'm just supposed to take all of the poker chips that are my life and just push them into the middle of the table on a hope? Yeah. Sorry, I don't have much else for you than that. Yeah, that's kind of what we're left with. But here's why I know that it's worth the gamble. Because we've always organized our lives looking forward. We've always acted as if the end of the journey is more important than the beginning of the journey. Consider your own life for a minute. As an eight-year-old, you probably had some notion, right, of what you wanted to be when you grew up. Yes? I asked the confirmants this. Yeah, and the one confirmant who's sitting down here, he's the only one who didn't have an answer for me. But a lot of us, a lot of us knew exactly what we wanted to be at eight years old. Doesn't mean that's what we became, but I can tell you right now, my answer was I wanted to be center fielder for the Orioles. I'll let you know that being pastor at St. Mary's was number two. Okay, but and I hope you understand if I tell you, I still kind of want to be the center fielder for the Orioles. And the way they're playing, I'm closer than I was. But you know what? That's what drove my life. 
That's why I collected baseball cards, and that's why I would go out in the yard, and I would take a ball, and we had this chimney, and so I would stand at one side of the yard, and I would throw the ball in the air against the chimney so that it would bounce off and go in the other direction, and I would run as hard as I could and throw myself and die. I would do this for hours, to like to the point where I didn't have any knees left. This might explain some things, hon. But I would do that for hours, learning how to make the wonderful play that was going to win the World Series for the Orioles. Here's what I didn't know anything about as an eight-year-old. I didn't know much about family history. I knew my parents were farmers. I knew my grandparents were farmers. And I got to visit my great-grandparents who lived at the Brethren home like once a week. That's pretty much what I knew. I didn't know anything about my genetics. I didn't know if there was anything in there that was going to be a problem, if there was a history of cancer or diabetes or anything else. I didn't know anything about my past. I didn't know anything about where I came from. I realize in this church a lot of you know a lot about where you come from. But hear my point here. As a child, I didn't know anything about where I was from. All I knew was where I wanted to go. What motivated me wasn't what I might be now. What motivated me was what I could be, where my life was pointed. And this is the lesson of the Psalms. The past, as important as it is in your life and my life and our shared life together, the past is foundational but it is not creative. It is foundational, but it is not creative. The thing that is creative is the future, where we're headed. One commentator says, the Bible spends only a few pages establishing the conditions of our beginnings, and then several hundred pages cultivating in us a taste for the future, immersing us in a narrative where the future is always impinging on the present, meaning where we're aimed is always shaping who we are right now. So when we step into prayer, and this is what the Psalms teach us, when we step into prayer, we are stepping into an act of not yet. We're stepping into an act of I'm not yet where I'm supposed to be, but I'm headed somewhere. It is an act where God's creative presence inspires in us a creative journey. A journey where if we understand what that end is, and that end is praise, If we wrap our minds around that, then what we discover is that we are able to undertake remarkable loads and bear remarkable burdens and do remarkable things because we know the place where we're going is worth it. What I am to be is worth discovering. What God is making you to be is worth discovering. The praise and goodness that God still has yet to pour out of your life is worth discovering. Prayer is our act of futurity. It is our act of being pointed at the future. Prayer is about getting a vision for the end. And so friends, I'll ask you, in the life of our faith, what do you want to be when you grow up? What has God got you pointed at that you can't see and you can't know, but boy, you know it's sitting out there. And so when we pray, we can no longer confine our understanding of ourselves to who we are or what we have been. We understand ourselves in terms of possibilities yet to be realized. St. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians, he says, the glory that is yet to be revealed. Friends, you are more than you know. As Paul says in Romans, he says, I has not heard, I I has not heard, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor human imagination and vision what God has prepared for those who love him. You have no idea 
what God is making you to be. We cannot conceive of the new creation that we already are. And that's the great tension, right? We are already this thing, and it's still trying to be revealed. Because of that tension, we pray. We pray to set out on the journey. We pray so that we can learn the terrain. We pray so that we can have strength when we go through the hard times. And when we pray, the unnecessary stuff in our lives starts to fade away to reveal the beauty that God has put in us. Friends, however you pray, whenever you pray, just know that however you pray, you are being pointed towards a future of praise and a future where God is going to show you things you had no idea was there. Enjoy the ride. Thank you.